You're listening to a SPIN podcast. We're interested in investigating the interconnections between secrecy, power, and ignorance that shape our world today. Hello, and welcome to the latest SPIN podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Lisa Graves, who is World Cultures and Archaeology Curator at the Bristol Museum. And she's here today to talk about her new exhibition, which is called Do You Believe in Magic? Um, and so I guess to get us started today, um, Lisa, can you talk us through a little bit where the idea for the exhibition came from? Okay, right. So magic, um, when I was going to start thinking about this, to me was one of those big universal themes that, that kind of binds all of human experience uh, from very, very early on. Um, people were considering how the world, how, we, how they understood the world, how they could engage with it, and magic was one of those things that kind of really started as soon as people started considering their place in the universe. And it's just carried on, and it's still with us today, and in all cultures have, have do have a concept of magic. So as, as a world cultures curator, and uh, knowing all the types of objects that people have created and used to kind of facilitate this understanding of, of magic, I thought... I just want to have lots of objects and lots of good thoughts and lots of people to talk to bring in magical people and, and kind of see magic as being a living a living thing, uh, part of people's worldview today. So, yeah, it was one of those human those human things that everybody has, has some kind of way into, I think. And can you describe, for people who maybe will not have the opportunity to visit the exhibition, what the different components are? Like, what would, what would your experience be? And, or what, would you, what, what did you intend for the experience to be? Right, so, yeah, it was, again, we very much had to make the kind of idea that this isn't about illusion, this isn't about hats, uh, rabbits getting taken out of hats, it's not that kind of magic. It's a magic that is something you may not think it's part of your life. Um, but what, so based from the objects upwards, they kind of group themselves into three um, three areas. So magical people, magical beings, and magical things. Um, so you'll go in, you'll be kind of um, an introduction to kind of set the scene, and then you can go off into three different directions, to three different rooms. And they're, they're interconnected, so you can walk back and forth and kind of... And there's a lot of playful things in there. There's a lot of um, visual treats. There's a lot of things you, you actually have to do. So there's lots of ways to kind of get inside this idea, but it's it's a very stimulating room, I think. Um, but then the final section is a kind of a contemplation where you have to answer the the question: Do you believe in magic? Having been through this kind of all these creatures and all these things, you know, how, what does it mean for you? Um, so that's that that final space. So yeah, and, it's, and our designers are an amazing job of making it look so beautiful and so attractive that yeah. And so let's start with that idea then of the multiple different ways to walk through the because that's quite that's quite different in some ways to some exhibitions some ex- mm. exhibitions are designed in a very linear, linear way yeah. how did you come to that did, was there was was there ever a conversation about that yeah yeah i mean this conversations have gone forever because exhibitions take years to, to come together but um it was very much the idea of, of kind of um, in my head, I had the three circles, the, the Venn diagram of magic, science and religion. And those are the conceptual ideas. Um, and so I could just see circles in my head. The whole thing was about circles and overlappingness and interconnectedness. Um, and there is no one way to look at this subject. So it was definitely never going to be a linear thing. So, yeah, a lot of conversations with the designer to kind of tease out what I, I felt like that. And obviously he's translated into something beautiful. Um 
but it's a, it's a way of it's a little bit mysterious, a little bit conceal reveal kind of idea. Um, so you're not quite sure where you are. You're not quite sure what's going on. Um, a little bit disconcerting. Um, yeah, to kind of really get under your skin a little bit, really. So, um, but like I say, it's, it's still a very beautiful place, but it's a little bit unnerving in some ways, I think. Yeah. And and what were the themes of the of each of the three components, the, each of the spaces that you've got? So magical beings, magical people, magical things. And can you say a little bit more about why you felt that those were the categories? Those are the ways of dividing it. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it came from the objects in, in a way, um, especially the magical things section. We have so many charms, amulets, talismans. And so we have this massive charm wheel in the middle. Um, it's very sort of dramatically lit and things. Um, but also is the idea that the juxtapositions of objects was going to be quite dramatic as well. Um, so the things kind of, that was that was a very obvious area. The magical people section was because a lot of exhibitions can be quite dry and academic or they can be missing the human component. And this exhibition was all about the human experience. So the magical people was a place where we had kind of less objects in a way, but that had to be more kind of AV heavy. So we did a lot of interviews with magical practitioners, um, a lot of um, sort of moving images just to get you kind of um, into the idea that a lot of the things in the exhibition are very static, but when they're performed or whether they're, they're used, they have take on a different life. Um, so people was, um, was that section. Um, and magical um, beings... Um, the ideas around gods and ancestors and spirits and animals, those are kind of the subcategories in there. Um, so they were um, they were a little bit more um, sort of in your head as well, but so there were kind of less objects in that. But what we did in that section was created um, a UV wall where um, magical animals would be up here when we were using UV torches um, and sort of things would be revealed to you about the spiritual nature of those animals or the magical qualities of those animals. Um, I mean, it's kind of, it's a, you might say it's a child's interactive because it's using torches, but it works to communicate that message to, to anybody. So I think what will you make, um, anything that engages you, you, you physically, kind of it helps you to kind of learn and understand it better. Because there's something about the, the moving that activates the brain. Okay, that's, so that's an interesting element. What, what, of all of those objects, of all of those spaces, of all of those stories, which is your favourite Oh, oh, that's like choosing between your children. That's a really hard question. Um, I, I like juxtapositions. I like kind of the way things... And in one case, we have um, um, a Haitian voodoo sequined flag from the 1990s next to um, a coconut fibre... Not think it's coconut fibre, um, but a, a fibrous um, war god from 19th century um, Tahiti. Um, and the idea of the aesthetics of, of... This is the one subject. These are gods. These, are rep these represent gods. The, the human creativity and making things that look so different um, but represent the same thing. I just love that juxtaposition of putting things together that sh shouldn't, you'd never see them in, in any other context, really. Um, but in terms of one, if I had to pick one object, it would be Little Manny. Um, he is a very special um, individual. He's a, he's a stone, small, tiny, couple of inches tall, stone-carved human figure um, from Sierra Leone on the coast of West Africa. Um, and he was made in about the 1600s. 
Um, but he was actually found, um, well, refound, rediscovered in the, the clay floor, um, the clay cellar floor of a conservative club in the north of England in the 1970s. Um, and he was found there um, in, a, in a circle where there'd been sort of ritual activity, um, so candles and um, offerings and that kind of thing. Um, so then a local curator from a local um, the Manchester Museum was kind of uh, informed about this and he went along thinking it was a Celtic stone stone head, um, a god from um, sort of a European god. Um, and he only found out later that it, was, it had come from West Africa. So he took it into the museum and then things started happening really mischievous um, things when what were going on. So the curator, he, he after being a perfect driver for many, many years, suddenly started having accidents in his car. Uh, the director of the museum would f- had fallen off his bike. Um, the curator's trousers fell down when he was on a train. So, and it was, it was this, this creature started kind of, in, started doing have this impact. Um, and then so the lady who found him sort of came in um, and she said he, he just needs to be comforted. He's, he needs a little bit of, of love. So she kind of held him and talked to him. Sorry, which lady? Who came oh, so the lady who actually found him in the cellar floor. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Um, and then she she, tapped, she wrapped some hair, a wrap from her head around his body. Okay. It's like a little belt. Um, and then that he just kind of kind of calmed down a little bit then and things kind of it went back to normal. Um, but John, the, the curator, often says that nobody in the museum now wants to touch him or hold him or have anything to do with him. Um, so this kind of mythology is built up around him as this kind of creature that causes mysterious behaviours. And uh, when, he, when he came to, to, to visit with us um, at the start of the exhibition, I brought him into the museum. I took him downstairs, but he was in his box. And I didn't, didn't want to kind of open his box. But the next, the next day when his box was opened, three quite mischievous things happened to me. Um, there was... Accidents with accidents in cars. There were buses issues. There was my, my cat did something on the carpet, and I was like, "Oh, he's he's letting his feelings be known again." I'm an atheist. I don't believe in many spiritual things. I don't believe this. If it's a coincidence, of course it is. But I really like the idea that this storytelling has gone around around this object. This object has come from West Africa. It was in the north of England. Ritual activity was going on around him then. He's got a story that when he was in the Manchester Museum, he's got a story now he's come to us. I just love the idea that we build these human stories around this inanimate object. Um, and that those stories in this case are is a, is a magical story. It's yeah. about this we cannot explain. Um, so, so what what is what is the challenge of telling stories with the objects with objects like Little Manny when it involves magic, which is something that it you know how how do you communicate? So, what were the challenges of putting together the exhibition and communicating um, yeah. the, the the specialness or the, uh, the uniqueness of magic in our lives? Well, it was finding the practitioners, the people whose 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 worldview this is. It's not it's not a joke. It's not. It, it's it's an absolute fundamental part of who they are, um, and those those meetings that I, that I had with people um, were kind of transformative in my point of view because only when you start talking to somebody about their belief system can you really kind of understand where where they're coming from. So we filmed a lot of them. I had interviews with them. Um, and I think when you listen to them and you spend time with them, you suddenly it doesn't. It doesn't become a joke anymore. It's 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 powerful. So we had a lot of interviews. Um, there are 
there, there we had one of the um, the women I interviewed. She lent us. She's a healer. She's a, a goddess um, um, priestess, um, and she ha- she does healing. And she gave us a lot of her her healing kit. Um, so I think once you you've listened to her story and then you see those things, which are kind of ordinary everyday things, um, some a little bit you might feel a bit confused by but because you've met her in a way. It kind of feels those objects suddenly have a power that you kind of. Yeah, I look at them very differently now I know her story. Mm, and that actually makes me think again about Little Manny and how, um, you know, if it, you know people who don't know that story or, or maybe don't take the time to learn that story when they see that object, will, will, um, there, there'll be that lost knowledge about mm. that particular story. But even just, as you said, about his discovery in Manchester, there's a whole story there that is lost knowledge. It's, we, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm, yeah, yeah, no, no, I was going to say, but luckily the curator has written it up now for a, a, um, an article. So there's there's an article that, of his whole story. And it, the, of this side of it, but yeah, that, yeah so the, the whole mystery. So so on that note, are you, do you, have you thought a little bit about, you know, Putting together this whole exhibition, what what magic does in relation to to science and in relation to religion, and and I guess in relation to knowledge or knowing things, mm, does yeah. that has that has that prompted any thoughts along those lines for you? Yeah, I mean, to me, magic, science, religion, as I said, are, are a Venn diagram, and we ask people at the very end to physically place their mark where they sit on that diagram. So whether you're the most rational kind of person, Richard Dawkins, you're right on the outer edges of the science ring or whether you're somebody who has a faith but you are you understand your rational scientist beliefs well so, so i just from seeing all those those places where people put those dots it just makes me realize how confused we are in a way and how we try to rationalize the world we try to create this knowledge about the world and they convince ourselves of, of our of our belief systems and when somebody comes to challenge that a little bit it can be quite difficult mm-hmm. and quite um unsettling mm-hmm. um but then ultimately and like, like I found out after interviewing these magical practitioners, it was like, suddenly my worldview had to change. I, it kind of disturbed me a little bit. And then it's like, but no, now I, now, I, now I get you now. Now I feel I can relate to you on a more human level. So the ways we construct the world, the way we construct knowledge can distance people and set people apart. You know, faith can set people apart. And, um, you know, people find ways to, you know, um, categorize other people. But I think when you start allowing things to unsettle you, you start to deconstruct yourself and you start to, you're, you're more open then, I think, to seeing other people's point of view. Um, yeah. I mean, like I say, I'm an atheist, but there's some part of me that I'm desperate to believe that I could be wrong. So then you're, have you managed to answer your own question? Do you believe in magic? Well, somebody asked me this the other day, and I say, literally from day to day, I, I, I move around that. Mm. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm trying not to be so hard and fast about things. I'm like, actually, no, and I'm, I'm open to if somebody could come and talk to me about something, I might be, oh, okay. So perhaps I'm sitting on the fence, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that's a really interesting um, place to, 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 to stop and to think about, that maybe our relationship to these things is always shifting mm. to knowledge that, yeah. that we, you know, knowledge is not always this absolute, um, you are either know or you don't know. Yeah. And that, you know, engagement, with, whether it's engaging with secrecy or magic or, or all of these um, related terms, it's about the, the, our journeys and how, uh, you know, to know and unknow and how these are always 
always shifting. And, yes. and so yes. that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, well, it's been lovely to have you here, Lisa. Thank you so much. And the exhibition is brilliant. And I wish that, you know, not everyone will be able to see it or visit it. But um, I hope that we'll be able to capture a little bit of the magic of the exhibition um, here and, um, and be able to speak to you again soon. Thank Great. you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a SPIN podcast. For more episodes, please check out our website, secrecyresearch.com, or find us on iTunes. 